I hope everyone is enjoying the interviews in Season 3. I'm preparing for a special mailbag episode of Kitchen Table Magic, where I answer your questions. They can be about anything. Me playing magic, me making the podcast, behind-the-scenes stories, whatever you want. If you have a question you'd like me to answer, send it to sam at kitchentablemagic.org. I'm looking forward to answering your questions in a future episode. Thanks. Hey everyone, great news. Kitchen Table Magic is now on Hipsters of the Coast. They're the mages with the curly beards and the vegan potion options. Hipsters of the Coast is the premier news and strategy blog for the Magic the Gathering community. They have a unique perspective on things, and Kitchen Table Magic is honored to be joining their lineup. If you're listening to me right now from Hipsters of the Coast, I'm pleased to meet you. You're going to love all of the guests I have lined up for Season 3. And be sure to check out past episodes at kitchentablemagic.org. If you're new to the Hot Sea blog, head on over to hipstersofthecoast.com to get strategy and content for all of your favorite formats. Kitchen Table Magic is brought to you by CardKingdom.com. Unstable is out now. Join in on all the goofy fun with contraptions, inside jokes, strange math, and squirrels. You can order it at cardkingdom.com slash KTM. And of course, all of those John Avon Full Art Borderless Basic Lands are in Unstable. They make a fantastic addition to any deck. Kitchen Table Magic is brought to you by Paragon City Games. They're a community-focused game store in Draper, Utah that cares deeply about their player base. They invite you to join their in-store stream at twitch.tv slash paragoncitygames for weekly legacy and standard events. Hello, sir. Could you please introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Billy the Fridge. I'm a rapper and comedian from Seattle, Washington. You might know me from uh, my cardboard crack Magic the Gathering song or my album Old Fashioned, available on iTunes. Billy, I'd love to do a little sound check question for you. Yeah. If you could have a rapper feud with anyone past, present, or future, who would it be? That's a really good question. Uh, I think I would want to have a feud with somebody who I think would have the, like, the best song against me. Like, and that's someone I'm a fan of. I think I, I grew up listening to Ludacris. Like, uh, well, I, I grew up listening to Tupac. He's gone. Then Ludacris. I think Ludacris, if he came at me, it would be hilarious. I, I don't know. I, I love that guy's lyrics, uh, his older stuff especially. And he's like, he's an actor and everything. So he, he's, he's just a funny animated guy. And I, I like, I like that in people in general, just when they're just out there intense you know yeah absolutely i i love listening to him growing up um especially now watching him being like in the fast and furious yeah. franchise <laughs> he's crossed over he's the, he's like my favorite character in the in the those movies and he's just he's like kind of like the dorky guy I, I was like big with uh donatello and the ninja turtles and stuff i just like the nerdy guys and and i don't know why i identify Welcome to Kitchen Table Magic, a storytelling podcast featuring the amazing people of the Magic the Gathering community. I'm your host, Sam Tang. Join me and my guests as we share stories about what MTG means to us, how we got started playing Magic, the ups, the downs, the hilarious stories, and everything in between. In this episode, I'm talking to rapper, comedian, filmmaker, and Magic player, Billy the Fridge. Billy started with local rap battles in the Seattle area and making his own films on a budget. Soon, his creativity made it to the front page of Reddit, where his thoughtful lyrics and edgy visual style caught the attention of millions. Billy is a true Magic player at heart, writing and performing Cardboard Crack, an ode to the game we love. Since then, Billy has completed his latest album, Ill, which is out now. Billy met up with me last summer 2017 to talk about music, his creative process, and of course, Magic the Gathering. I hope you enjoy my conversation with rapper Billy the Fridge. Hey everyone, thanks for joining me on Kitchen Table Magic. I'm your host, Sam Tang, and today I'm here with the wonderful, the wordsmith, Billy the Fridge. Billy, how's it going? It's going good. I'm glad to be here. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Magic the Gathering and everything, and I've been uh, running into you at PAX was so crazy. Like, we were just randomly passing by, and you are like, Billy, and I was like... Dude, and you said, can you do my podcast? And I, I was psyched. I, I had to do it. So <laughs> I'm excited. I've, I've, I quit playing Magic recently because I, I, I'm a limited guy, right? I love limited. And it gets so expensive, Magic Online, when you don't have to stop. <laughs> you, just, you could lose and just pay again to play again. It's, it's nuts. So I've, I've kind of tamed down lately, but I've been playing since I was 11 years old. And I, I just love it. 
Wow, that's amazing. Well, I love it. Thank you so much for being here. I am a huge fan of you as well. I mean, ever since season one, I mean, right now we're in the middle of season three, but ever since season one, I was just like, I really want Billy the Fridge to be on the podcast. Um, you know, your song Cardboard Crack, I laughed so hard and the lyrics are just wonderful. And listeners, if you haven't seen it, I'm going to have a link in the show notes at kitchentablemagic.org so you can see the song. Um, but yeah, Billy, I was at PAX. I was doing a vlog for Chessex, the guys who make those awesome dice. And I'm standing there on the street. And I'm just like, this is so cool. There's so many cool people here. I was like, I wonder who I'm going to get to meet. And I literally turned to my left and you were just standing there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, are you Billy? <laughs> yeah, it was, it's, I had just gotten to PAX too. So it's like, I just gotten there. I've been there like years before. And it's, it's always been a wonderful experience. But I had just showed up and you were there. So I knew I knew we were going to have a good time. We we're going to have to do a good podcast. Everything was going to work out. It was fate. <laughs> I liked it. Yes, it's really funny. And you were there with some other YouTubers. Yeah, I was doing a vlog with a YouTuber named Onision. He's from the Seattle area. And uh, he, he'd never been to PAX before. So I suggested, you know, we can go down and film at PAX. And he had this idea where he wanted to uh, ask people terribly rude questions. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, he, he, he was like, hey, can I ask you a really rude question? And I was like, oh, sure. Absolutely. Billy, you were filming, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, if Billy's here filming, I guess I could be a little rude. So he asked me a question <laughs> and I was really rude. And I really took him by surprise because he was like, that was so mean. I was like, dude, you're the one asking me rude questions. <laughs> he was talking about it for like hours afterwards too he was like i can't believe that guy thought i was ugly <laughs> <laughs> well yeah there's a spoiler alert you really have to I'll, I'll link that other video as well but it happens in like the first 30 seconds i basically just call him ugly to his face <laughs> and that like set the tone and i feel really bad because other people later on was just like are you sean dawson and i was like oh my gosh no yeah, they, they, they thought he was uh the, the, the shane dawson girl we, we, he even like before he filmed her she asked him before and he's like wait i gotta get my camera out and he was like ask me who, who do you think I am and she's like Shane Dawson and, then, and he was just he was wrecked because him and Shane go way back so I could see why she might get confused that he was he was Shane Dawson but uh they're not the same guy they look, they look nothing alike yeah which is hilarious but anyways Billy I'm so happy that you are here and like all things I want to start at the beginning where did you grow up and how did you find magic okay so I've always been in Seattle 10 11 years old and I would go to the card store and I would buy like baseball cards football cards basketball cards and they had like a sign for magic and it was a game and I was a kid that liked to play games I play video games and stuff so I thought it'd be cool to check out magic I had some friends that played it too. I bought some packs. Uh, Fallen Empires ended up being the first set I purchased. It was like the day it came out. I bought a bunch of Fallen Empires packs, had no idea how to play. And then my older cousin, he came over and said, oh, you have magic cards? I'll teach you how to play. He taught me wrong, but it was so much fun that like I, I just, I played magic off and on since then. Like I, I go nuts when I get into magic. I take breaks every couple of years because I just go all the way in and I spend all my time playing magic. I probably played enough magic in my life, but I know I'm going to go back into it and play more. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's the best game. It's so fun. And it's, it's, it's it lets you be creative because you get to make the decks and you, you get to, you get to play how you want to play. Like there's so many different ways to enjoy the game. And that's, that's really what impressed me as a, as a creator. I, I, I do music and stuff and I can just go and sit down and I can draft and I can build the best deck possible with people around me or I can go to my collection and pull out all my old cards and make a commander deck or something that I just go have fun with. And then, and then you know, if I wanted to, I build something competitive and go try and grind my way into some tournament. It's, it's just all those things appeal to me and the art, you know, everything. It's, 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 it's just, it's a great game on every level and it never ends. It's always new. There's always something new. It's, it's almost hard to keep up with, but if you're really intense about a game, it's perfect because it never gets stale. There's always something new around the corner. That's right. And throughout Magic's 25 year history, like you said, you started off in Fallen Empires and like I was given a bunch of random old cards. And back in the day, those Fallen Empires, Homelands cards, they were just terrible, right? And <laughs> yeah. then like nothing going on. And then later on in like, 
like Tempest and like Mirage and then Urza's block, like then things started to pop off. And then yeah. like, now it's like Ravnica and like Battle for Zendikar and Innistrad and all these other sets and all these other planes. And now we're heading into Ixalan, like pirates and dinosaurs and all this crazy <laughs> stuff. I feel like this is the jump the shark set, but like <laughs> it's in the best way possible. So, like we're going to have pirates. We're going to have dinosaurs. We're going to have everything. Are they, are they vampires or? I know they're like vampire conquistadors. Okay. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Oh, I, I haven't, I haven't looked into the new set a lot, but I caught some of the spoilers that were coming out and it was just the way that they broke down the color for this really impressive. They have the, the two, three color, I, I want to say teams, but you know, guilds or whatever. Yeah. And then the two color guilds. It's just, that's really smart. And that's, that just shows you there's so much design space left in magic. That's un, untapped 10 years from now, we're going to be seeing stuff that we never expected 20 years from now, hopefully the same thing. Not too long ago, they uh, announced Dominaria is going to be coming back. And- I love that. I, time spiral was that that's what got me back into the game like steadily. Like the time spiral was the set for me that, that I, I stepped away for a while and I was back in for I was all in on time spiral. And it, even through Laura went and everything. It was just <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot. The Planeswalkers introduction. I was glad to be a part of Magic when they got introduced because I think if I would have uh, been away from the game for a while and got into it, I might have been overwhelmed, but I was just at the perfect time to see what a great addition they were to the, the game. Yeah, that is awesome. And you said that you you know, you know are a limited player. You love playing limited. I, are you going to be excited to draft like maybe Dominaria when it comes out in the future? Oh, I will be. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing it. I used to play online a lot. That's actually where I made my uh, song Cardboard Crack. I was Twitch streaming and the Twitch streamers were like, you need to make a magic song. And I was like, oh, I don't know about that. They're like, look, we're going to throw money at you until you do. So I was like, well, that's 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 fine then. <laughs> I will do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really glad that the fans did because, uh, you know, for the listening audience, Billy the Fridge is a great rapper. I mean, really, for like the hip hop movement here in Seattle and also just like all of your lyrical mad geniusness. I mean... I don't know if you've seen some of like Billy's like freestyle battles and rap battles, but like Billy, you're brutal, man. <laughs> I I've always been kind of a trash talker. Like <laughs> you know, I'm a big guy, I'm a fat guy, and when you're a little kid and you're the fat kid, you either take it and you 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 hold it in, or you take it and you throw it right back. And I got into the the rhythm of throwing it back to the point where people no longer wanted to pick on the fat kid because wow. it would it would start. It would start a fire. They would get burnt. Wow. <laughs> when did you start rapping? When I was young, I was like, I would write poems and stuff, you know, little, little, little to give to girls and girls like, oh my God, <laughs> that's so sweet. <laughs> stuff like that. And then listen to like Tupac and Weird Al when I was little. I think my friend was doing custodial work at a recording studio near my house. And he was like, man, uh, he's older than me. I was like still in high school. He's like, you, you got to come through here. We'll record some, uh, some joke songs or some, uh, some, some, uh, prank phone calls, stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, let's go in and do it. And I just stuck with them for a, the long haul. Yeah. I was with that. I still, my new album that's about to come out, just finished recording with that, that studio still, uh, 15 years later. So wow, I was, I was in high school, little, little boy and I stuck around. So that is amazing. Okay, Billy, I really have to know, who are your musical influences? Okay, so earlier I said Tupac and Weird Al. Those, those are like, <laughs> those are the granddaddies. <laughs> and then um, I, I, I like... I almost get influenced by comedy as well as musicians. Like uh, I went to see Tim and Eric live show. Oh gosh. Yeah. Must have been a decade ago that I first saw them. And I just really enjoyed how they incorporated music with the comedy. And that's kind of when I do a live show, I try and I try, even if I don't have props and stuff like they would have sometimes, I still try and incorporate that stand up mixed with the music. So the, the bass was in Tupac and Weird Al and then, you know, a uh, to Chris and I, I really like DMX. I liked a lot of lyricists, but but not like the classic lyricists, like the the, the, the you have like Del the Funky Homo Sapien and the, the West Coast uh, rhymer uh, lyricists, like the, the the lyricist lounge type people, and then you have Wu Tang and all those guys. And I I was a student of all of them, but I was mostly impressed by like 
the 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 crazy characters like DMX, Ludacris, the the the, the pop guys. Like right now, I think uh, Nicki Minaj is so good. I love I love everything she does, and she's just wild. And she, her videos are super colorful, and she just she she takes this medium that is can be taken very serious and she plays with it and i like it when people play with anything uh, music um gaming and when you when you push the boundaries of something and make it almost uncomfortable but still popular so people can enjoy it that's kind of that's kind of what drives me I, I try and make something popular something listenable but something that you might still have to hide from your mom you, know? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want your grandma hearing it and my grandma had a copy of my cd in her stereo player one one day when i was visiting her and i i think my aunt put it in there and she was trying to sabotage me i don't know i don't know what was happening i was not i was not impressed i was like how did you get this <laughs> ruin the thanksgiving dinner <laughs> it didn't though i was the only one that really got worked up over it so that is so <laughs> but, fascinating but it was just it was like i was like no this is there's certain things i have to hold sacred in this world and that's that's grandma and nothing else <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing you know what i really love is that like you don't you know you don't take you don't you just like use like a bunch of swear words you don't use a bunch of lot like violence or derogatory things i mean a lot of it is really witty and like people laugh and like you you poke fun at yourself you poke fun at the situation yeah. like you turn certain perspectives and a lot like comedy you're finding that really strange kind of all-in perspective and yeah. then you really just like exploit that and it gets really funny and it really gets people to think kind of differently about things i, tr I try and balance that line i try and take it too far and then, you know, when you go too far, you either fall off the cliff or you fly. And I try and take it too far every time so that I can fly. And sometimes I fall. Sometimes it's a total failure. And, I, and you know, the, there's some embarrassing moments out there. But I always go for that, that too far moment because when you fly, it's it's fun and people love it. Your music videos are really enchanting because just like you said, your influences, like especially when you talked about Nicki Minaj, the colors, the thematic elements, like it's very creative and then like, you're also very visceral because you use a lot of different like grunge effects and glitch effects into the like into the videography. And then also you're like telling a story like your like music video, like workaholic, like you yeah. are <laughs> you are at a cubicle, you're dressed up, <laughs> you've got like a picture of a rapper in a frame, which is hilarious. <laughs> it's exhibit. Uh, yeah, that's right. It's another exhibit. another uh, guy that I I loved listening to growing up. I the hook for the the song Workaholic is uh, kind of pulled from his. He has a song called Alcoholic. Call it what you wanna call it. I'm a, an alcoholic, and uh, I, I turned it to Workaholic and changed the the balance of the tune a little bit and flipped it a little bit. But it's it's a nod to Exhibit, and I had to put a little nod on the desk there for people who are watching to get that little little extra that that Easter egg, you know. Right. And it's funny because the progression of that video, you and your other two cohorts, your co-workers, I mean, you're, at, you're back at your apartment and it's like late at night, you're making Mac and they're just like, they've got this huge spoon ladling mac and cheese. It's just like everything just feels like a mess. And you've got like this like big bottle of liquor in like the break room. And it's just so flavorful, all of it. Yeah. We, the, all the videos I've pretty much done, there's like one or two where I worked with an uh, actual production company, but mostly I just go out there with some friends and a camera and we try and think of the easiest most interesting shots we can make with like no budget is we put a couple hundred bucks into a couple videos here and there for like costumes there's one where we got like gorilla suits and all types of weird stuff but it's like for the most part it's do it yourself and it's 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 the cheapest way to make something memorable. And that's, that's what I'm always going for when I'm making a video. I, I don't want to put too much money into it because I don't have a ton of money to work with. But, uh, I, I want to be able to get the most out of everything I do, even if it like my, my song, just a bill, which is like almost at 2 million views right now. It was like a less than $20 shoot. And that includes buying the ice cream cone and the beer. <laughs> so it was, it was, it was very cheap. That is such a good song. I love it. I mean, 
it's fresh because you've got like the vlog style and you are, you're very creative. It's, it's like, you know, and like all the, like the filmmakers talk about this, like Casey Knight said, everyone always has, oh, like you make great vlogs. Like it's probably all the equipment. He's like, no, it's not. Like you can take a simple point and shoot. And as long as you're composing a story and you have a perspective, like that's really all it takes. Yeah. And like, really, that's all it takes. I mean, the pacing of the video is wonderful. I mean, you, you guys are just filming it yourselves. I mean, it, it looks almost like professionally done. You yeah, know? It was my, my buddy who was shooting it hadn't really filmed the music video for anybody else before. He'd done like a couple for himself and his like in his house, nothing big. And he was like, let's just go out and do it. Let's just do it. And it's like... It was the best decision because it just, it took off and it was like front page of Reddit uh, multiple times. And I, that's, that's like making it because I, I wasn't buying any sort of ad space or anything. It's just people word of mouth sharing something they find interesting. That's what you want to happen with your art. You know, you can pay all you want to get a billboard or get in a magazine or get a placement on some big major mixtape or something. But when people just spread it because they love it, that's, that's so fulfilling. It's it's just, it's like that, that lets me know that I wasn't wasting my time. <laughs> yeah, for serious. And what I love most is like in all of your videos and all of your art, you pay homage to Seattle. You yeah. are out and about <laughs> in the town. It's, uh, you know, it's the backdrop for my life. So why not for my, my art? And I, I definitely, you know, plan to branch out uh, outside of Seattle and maybe head down to LA for a while and do some work down there. When I've been down there before, it's always been very fruitful. I've gotten a lot of opportunity out that way. And then, you know, worldwide, eventually, you know, I want to go everywhere and take it everywhere and do art everywhere. But yeah, this is my home, so I I, I know my home, and I I gotta I gotta show love. I, it's just it's always been. I remember when Seattle was not as nice as it is now. You know, I'm a I'm an '80s baby, and things used to be really grungy down on uh, First and 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 <laughs> and Pike. Maybe <laughs> it, it, got, it got pretty dirty, you know. But uh, it's 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 turning into a world class economy, world class. Of everything so maybe it's getting too big for me and i'm getting too big for it and i need to go take over the world next but i on the way out i'm gonna take as many photographs as i can in the form of songs about the city where that where i can make them so your music career has matured and then now you're doing a lot of streaming and you're also doing kind of like this talk show online and you're like do, doing a lot of YouTube collaborations. About a year ago, someone brought me into like the YouTube drama community. <laughs> they did a video on me and they were kind of like taking the piss out of me. And uh, it was it was funny and it opened me up to a whole different world of YouTube that I wasn't really familiar with. And so the first thing I did was I hit back with a... A, a diss song against like the guy that had called me out and other people within the community that it was they were just like popular at the time I guess and uh, that led to me meeting up with uh, another big YouTuber at the time Leafy is here who had like almost 5 million subscribers on YouTube and he was like the hot thing on YouTube a year ago now he's like YouTube has changed it's Jake Paul <laughs> <laughs> Logan Paul the Paul brothers are like the face of YouTube but um at that time, I, I just, I, I linked up with him and he was big and everything I was doing was just getting seen by so many more people. It amplified what I had been doing the years before. So I, I started doing more YouTube stuff because it was, it was like, like when I make my music videos and I focus on getting something cool made for like low budget cheap, that's pretty much what YouTube is. You know, if, if you can do that on a very consistent basis, you're going to be big on YouTube. And I, I kind of rode with that and I met a lot of big YouTubers and I, I made a lot of good, like cool friends that are just like interesting people that have been self-made millionaires and self-made superstars. You know, <laughs> Leafy was... Uh, multi-millionaire and he never led, left his bedroom <laughs> he was like the equivalent of a, a rock star at the time all the kids knew him i would go out and they people would know me because of his videos and they'd freak out they'd be like where's leafy where's leafy it was just nuts and it's like he never left his bedroom he just made videos in his bedroom didn't even get on camera really he just <laughs> cut up other people's stuff did commentary on it made little cartoons and stuff and boom 
he made millions of dollars. That's 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 cool. That's <laughs> that's punk rock with, without leaving your house. <laughs> that's too funny. Yeah, and then so now you have like a streaming talk show that you like hang out on and like. Yeah, it's, it's I, I've I've kind of always had streaming. Well, for the last seven years, I would stream on different platforms, like whether it was Twitch when I was playing Magic the Gathering. Or uh, before I was on a website called Battlecam, and it was owned by this billionaire, and he had a TV station down in Beverly Hills, and he would fly me down there to to host shows live and comment with people. So it's in me to just do that kind of streaming live, uh, stream of conscious entertainment, and interact with fans live. It's just that's it's something I. It's a skill that I, I've, I've honed over the years that I enjoy. So I'll go on YouTube, just fire up the camera, and we'll just go in and talk about whatever is popular at the moment, and just try and run the run the crowd. Usually, usually go for a couple hours without any script or anything. We're just <laughs> we're just riffing and, and having a good time. So it's a fun thing. It, it's it's a hobby. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it really is. I enjoy it. That's kind of what's taken over playing Magic for me right now. <laughs> When I was playing Magic recently, I was doing it online streaming so that I had an excuse that I wasn't just gaming and spending all my time gaming because I was entertaining at the same time. Right, right. So th that was that was kind of how I let myself game. I I get to a point where if I play a game, I go all in anything. <laughs> like I, I don't even, I play Pokemon Go. I don't even know why I do. It's just like <laughs> I started playing when everybody started last year and I just can't stop. <laughs> and anything, it's, I'm always all in on it. I just... Until I get completely bored of it. So you play Magic Online a little bit. I mean, recently you stopped, but back in the day yeah. when you played, did you play Limited or Constructed? Limited, yeah. Limited. So you just draft and play Seal. Oh, yeah. I was. Uh, so maybe this was like a year ago. So maybe Shadows of Innistrad or was it, was, it like. It was the prior to Shadows. Okay. Even, uh, oh, the, the Cons of Tarkir oh, was yes. what I played the most. Love, I love multicolor sets, you know, having to draft and make a mana base that can sustain uh, some crazy cards, some really powerful cards that, you know, you're going to get burnt if you don't get the right mana. Oh, yeah. So it's like, I, I enjoyed that set a lot. And I played... The cool thing about Magic Online is that if you're good at the format and you win, it pays for itself. Right. So I'm, I'm playing like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of magic every month and uh and 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 then i start i like new sets were coming out and i wasn't as good at them <laughs> and so i realized that i i couldn't maintain the way i was with those other sets so that's kind of why i slowed down and stopped playing because it can get very expensive drafting online if you're not winning <laughs> yeah i mean not all of us are like lsv or like redo <laughs> we can go like infinite online yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I played lsv one night and uh I beat him and I was so happy. And then I was round one, then round two, I got smashed. And I was like, well, welcome to magic. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going to the pro tour, guys. <laughs> So I guess really playing online really with like an addictive like personality, like that really is what spawned this creation, cardboard crack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the the term cardboard crack is what we would call it like in 1999 type thing because we were in the shop all day long just until until the shop closed we'd be in there playing in the back room going and spending every last dollar we had on packs uh packs of cards if not boxes ripping open boxes of magic the cards like they were packs because <laughs> <laughs> instead of having 15 uh cards in a pack we had 36 packs in a box so it was just rip them open just as quickly as you would a pack and it was just nuts and uh it, it never stopped I, I remember getting a a small telemarketing job when i was 14 and every paycheck I'd go buy like a box and a half of cards unglued <laughs> at the time was I was buying so much unglued it was I don't know why because like it, it's not very playable but I, I didn't care like it's, it's fun playable but like there's no competitiveness to it right it's all casual and I wasn't I, I was I was just as much casual as I was competitive I, I loved it all but I, I just I just wanted to buy packs I don't know why it's just nuts and and the cardboard crack you know it's it's there's there's a comic uh, strip that does uh, uses the name cardboard crack as well. And, that's right. And I uh, it's, it's it's so true. Everything everything that's there is like it's it's just Magic the Gathering is as addictive as it is fun. <laughs> <laughs> How did you come up with the lyrics with uh, cardboard crack? 
I've always kind of had like little Magic the Gathering lyrics in the back of my head mm-hmm. over the years. You know, sometimes I would just them freestyle little magic lines and stuff. But when it came down to it, I was just, I was thinking what I could make the song about. And Cardboard Crack has this kind of like hardness to it. Like the street crack is like a street <laughs> thing, but like it's such a geeky thing. Right. Because it's not crack. It's a game. <laughs> you're, you're spending your money on a game. And uh, it's, it's so true though. There's so many people that just would rather rather buy a pack of magic cards than lunch i saw i saw my friends uh trade subway sandwiches for shivan dragons when i was a kid oh my gosh <laughs> it's like they're like yeah no 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 let's uh, I'll, I'll get you a subway and it was, it was currency you know it's, <laughs> it, they would rather get the cards than eat it was so funny that's hilarious and uh for the listening audience if you haven't seen the video cardboard crack it's really amazing you're in the card store i mean there's like i mean gosh how do i even describe it like you're in the card store you're playing you're you're eating people's cards. <laughs> cards are yeah. falling on you. You're flipping the table Francis style. There's a oh, Francis, yeah. you know. Bo- Boogie2988 loved the song right uh-huh. off the bat before I ever did the video. And he invited me to come down and film it with him at his card store. And I couldn't make it down. And I kicked my I kicked myself to this day because that would have been such... so. The, the video's great, but it would have been so much better with Francis actually flipping the table wow. rather than me flipping it Francis style. Bookie's a friend. Like mm-hmm. I, I've gotten gotten to know him pretty well. We hung out a lot at VidCon, and I, I love that guy. So it, it would have been cool just to work with him, just because it's working with friends. But it would have been the video would have been so much better. It, it's still good. I love it. It's great. Yeah. But it would have been so much better with Boogie in it. <laughs> so well, I'd love to ask you some behind the scenes questions here, Billy, because uh, you eat a tarmogoyf with sriracha <laughs> on it. That yeah. wasn't a real tarmogoyf, was it? Okay, so. I had a friend who had a bunch of uh, counterfeits from China, and uh-huh. I, got, I got them from him. But I did have a, a buddy of mine was like, "I'll give you my real tarmogoyf," <laughs> and and I I almost I almost let him do it, but that's just like. It's, it's, it's no need. We have the we have the we have the counterfeits here, and they need to be destroyed. They shouldn't they shouldn't be in circulation. Let's get rid of them. <laughs> That's perfect. Because I mean, with with like the grade, I couldn't tell. You know, with like yeah, the video were, production, I couldn't tell. They were they were really good looking uh, counterfeits. I I I needed to eat them and and burn them and <laughs> and tear them apart. They needed to go because that that's 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 the worst thing is when you you're dealing with somebody who's trying to rip you off in magic i think that's the only downfall of magic i had a berserk when i was a little kid uh it was, it was unlimited berserk but i loved it i made a, a rabid wombat enchantment deck where i just stack my rabid wombat up with all these boosting enchantments and then when he comes in berserk the one copy because it was restricted at the time i'd hit him with the berserk and i'd do like 40 damage in one swing and i probably could have done it without the berserk but i didn't care <laughs> i was i was i was i was just so happy to have that berserk and it got it got ripped off one day, you know, and that, that, that's that's the that's the sad part of magic to me. Other than that, is it's perfect. Wow! <laughs> when you put value on something, though, it, it brings eyes from people who only see the uh, the monetary and not the the actual how happy that's making a little kid you know yeah yeah Billy what you were sharing just now it really has to do with like history you know every single magic player every single person listening to this right now we all have our moment and our card whatever that may be yeah my first booster that I opened was an Urza Saga booster. And when I opened them up, I like didn't know what I was looking at. And I got a Sarah Sanctum. I still have that Sarah oh. Sanctum. But I noticed that the little set symbol, the cogs for, for Urza Saga, they were gold and others were not gold. And so I felt like it was special. And it even says legendary. So I was like, oh gosh, this yeah. must be really special, right? <laughs> that was a good move on Magic's part. Because I, I played, you know, Revised was really heavily bought when I was playing. I was getting rid of Dual Lands for the worst things for like force of nature <laughs> and, and uh it, but but like you didn't really know what was rare and what wasn't back then especially for a young kid so it was very easy to get a stack full of crawl worms because they're six fours for for your uh what was the, the royal assassin oh yeah <laughs> yeah i got bopped for a royal assassin for some crawl worms when i was little 
<laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I think everyone has that story. Everyone at some point has traded away something. I mean, I didn't uh, play back in the day when there were like dual ends, but I do know yeah. that when I got back into Magic, which was right around Rise of the Eldrazi, I was like, wait a second, Planeswalkers? What are these things? And I think I played it like a Garrick Wildspeaker, which was like a Lorwyn Planeswalker, which yeah. wasn't like bad at the time. But I think I traded like a playset of like Garrick's for like an Urza Saga Explore. And those things are like a lot of money. Like, you yeah. know, those things are like super OP before they got like reprinted. So I was just like, definitely, I was just like, this was like right when smartphones were picking up and there wasn't like adequate pricing information. So like, like I know like a month after that trade, I was just like, oh God, this <laughs> thing's like 25 bucks. So I was going to like buy another one. And I was like, oh God, these are so impossible to find. Yeah. And they're like a bomb in EDH. So I used to draft so much that I would just sell off my rares to like fund getting more drafts. And I had, um, it was Future Sight was out. That was what Tarmogoyf was in. And I had all these rares and I was selling off anything of value. And I had these Tarmogoyfs and they were going for a dollar fifty at the time. Oh, wow. And they were, they were, they were buying them for a dollar fifty. And I was like, I was like, oh, I'm going to hold on to them because I think they're going to be cool in a deck with Storm Entity. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> you do like a storm, a storm deck where you, you fill your graveyard and make big, big guys. I, so I had this hunch that it was going to be good with that. It, was, <laughs> it wasn't good with that it was good with everything <laughs> but i held i got i lucked out there they were almost gone for a dollar fifty a piece i ended up trading them later in um vancouver grand prix that was one of the last extended grand prix uh, i traded them uh for uh, i want to say like a hundred dollars and and credit and then i i went to the strip club in vancouver because they serve <laughs> alcohol there it's a wonderful place <laughs> <laughs> okay so i guess that's a new aspect of mtg finance for billy the fridge if yeah. you're gonna like if you're gonna speculate on like crappy cards and then they get really yeah. good and expensive like a Tarmogoyf, you can then go to the strip club. Yeah, so. I could have I could have spent those dollar uh, fifty Tarmogoyfs on like a chicken sandwich at McDonald's. <laughs> Instead, I got beverages at, at a fine, classy gentleman's establishment outside of uh, Vancouver, BC. <laughs> <laughs> That's too ridiculous. <laughs> Earlier, you talked about your recording, and you still record in that old studio that you were at ever since you were a kid. Well, it was an old studio when I was a kid. Uh -huh. my, my, my buddy who runs the studio, he built it as a skateboard ramp when he was a teenager, and he turned it into like a little half amphitheater type thing for his band to play in. Mm -hmm. Then he put a wall on it and made a recording booth to record songs with, and then he put another building connected to it to make like a a uh, a waiting room and, and a recording booth and then the the control room and then he realized that you know having a studio in his mom's backyard wasn't going to cut it so he moved <laughs> he got a nice uh, house uh, double lot house and turned half the house into a new studio so it's the same guy different space it's and that was a very nice million dollar studio you know and uh, I just have grown with it so like when I go in there I just finished recording um my new album it's called ill it's, it's going to be out here in the next uh couple weeks so it's, nice. it's it's all it's all mix mastered ready to go it's just a matter of getting it up on itunes and stuff but uh it's it, it was a it was a fun one to make and it was very different i worked with a buddy of mine lincoln traveler he works at the studio i work with now he's a younger guy and he made all the beats me and him sat in the studio together and we we went through and made these beats every studio session we just made them together he was the guy doing it you know he's wow. the he's the production guy but I kind of like give him little nods and hear what we should do ideas I had and we, we worked with this whole thing and that's the first time I worked on a full project with one producer and he's got a different style than I'm used to so I've kind of went out on a limb with a lot of these new songs and they're you're gonna hear some of them you're gonna be like this is a uh, different Billy but it's not that different <laughs> like <laughs> I, I definitely I got a lot of familiar stuff on there too but I kind of I push myself out of my comfort zone because of these beats are just they're they're they're, they're not what I usually rap over but they're they're good. He's very talented. I love so, it. So I'm I'm excited for people to hear it and be like, oh God, Billy, you're terrible now. What 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 have you done? Oh, or, or be like, <laughs> this is best Billy yet. Actually, this is way better than uh, all those other ones that have got, got thousands, hundreds, thousands, millions of views. <laughs> this is way better than that. But we'll see. We'll see what people say. <laughs> you're definitely gonna have to make a, a video about this one, Billy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, okay. So, uh, which tracks are you most excited about on this new album? All right. So, there's uh, one song in particular that's uh, called Friend Zone. And it's kind of an homage to Bismarcky. Um, yeah. 
just a friend. Yeah. But uh, this is from the perspective that I am just trying to be a friend with all these uh, celebrity women that won't leave me alone. Like uh, I go in and I'm talking about Emma Watson and the beauty and the beast. And I I just, I can't bring myself to uh, be with Emma Watson because I remember when she was Hermione and she was too small. Oh my gosh. She was a little kid. That's that's creepy. I I can't unsee that, you know? So it's it's things like that where it's like obvious, you know, that if it wasn't for these little problems, I would be with these beautiful women. But, you know, (laughs) (laughs) instead I have to put them in the friend zone. (laughs) (laughs) i love it i love it and then there's there's some other songs on there too there's uh a couple serious songs um but for the most part it's just fun stuff Mm -hmm. and a couple of couple of poppy like uh well there's this one song i did i got a friend of mine to sing on it with me and she uh she she got this very 80s voice on the track. The song's called 80s Baby. And I, I I just pulled out like meatloaf or some some weird voice from the 80s. It's all just a retro throwback song. And it's just it's 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 people are gonna hear it and be like, what the heck is Billy thinking? But they're gonna be like, actually, this is this is kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I I threw a couple of songs in there just as like trolls because I, I wanna throw people off of the the, the path of what they expect. So there's just a few songs in there that are just like what is Billy thinking? And hopefully you still like them. You know, that's, that's the goal is like, you can at least tolerate them. Cause I don't think they're bad. They're just way different. We're and, not going to get like a couple of tracks. that's like experimental German electronica ska or something. I, not yet. <laughs> Maybe that's the next album. <laughs> Cause you've been in development for this album for quite a while. Cause your last album was in 2013 and, well, yeah, I, the old fashioned was the last full album, and then I put out an EP, uh, Hollywoodland, and that came out in 2015. So I, I kind of took some time with YouTube, and I made a bunch of YouTube like diss tracks and stuff, and they never really made to albums because they were YouTube based stuff. So uh, at a certain point, I decided that I wanted to make an album that wasn't gonna it's gonna stand on its own, doesn't have to have like YouTube a drama to fuel it. And that's what this was. I, I started working on it in uh, March. So it's been a few months of, of, of getting everything made and and now it's ready to go. And it's it's going to be out like within the month, next couple of weeks. It just depends on when iTunes wants to clear it. And then, then I'll put it out for the whole world to enjoy. Spotify and everything. It's, 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 it's going to be there. So you'll find it. Billy the Fridge, ill. I'm so excited. And I'm going to have links in the show notes at kitchentablemagic.org. Okay, we're going to have more from Billy the Fridge coming up in just a little bit. But first, a word from our sponsors. Okay, Billy, you have something very special for Patreon supporters. What is it? Well, I brought in a copy of my album, Old Fashioned. So that'll go to one of the lucky uh, supporters. And then I brought in a couple of... uh, cardboard crack Billy the Fridge cards that you could see at the beginning of the video cardboard crack they were like props I got, I got a couple laying around here the back is tokens so I think you and I are going to collab on this and <laughs> we're going to do a little special token drawing That's for, right. uh, for a couple of lucky Patre- Patreons too I love it yes uh, when when Billy handed these to me I was so surprised because I was like the tokens from the video <laughs> I was like oh my gosh and I mean if you look at the art I mean it looks just like a magic card you know like the, the Billy is like stylized and then there's like a token and then there's um a, like a, a donut in the middle and then the sprinkles on the donut are Wooberg <laughs> yeah. which is like so cool it's got cardboard crack instead of deck master it's like super legit and on the other side it's like a proper token frame that you can like alter so I'm like so excited and of course I'm also super excited for your album Old Fashioned that of course you are going to be signing for us Billy of course yeah a lucky Patreon supporter at the six dollar level or higher is going to be getting these gifts. So thank you so much, Billy. Yeah, of course. Billy has given me a signed copy of his first album, Old Fashioned, and two of his Billy the Fridge Magic Card tokens to give away. Billy and I altered the front of those cards with goblins. You can check out a picture of the giveaway gifts at kitchentablemagic.org. Three lucky winners will be randomly selected from my list of Patreon supporters. So if you'd like a chance to win one of these giveaway prizes, become a supporter at patreon.com slash kitchentablemagic. The three lucky winners will be announced in next week's episode. Thanks for your support on Patreon. This episode of Kitchen Table Magic was brought to you by Paragon City Games. The Kitchen Table Magic podcast has been all about the origins of the game and members of the community. 
and as a community, we've come a long way since the game first started. Apart from the kitchen table, the only other places in your local community to play Magic are at local game stores. And that's why places like Paragon City Games is so important for our community. At Paragon City Games, you'll find a spacious and clean showroom with lots of elbow room for Magic events. You'll find thoughtful accessories like die-hard metal dice and handcrafted wooden boxes. You'll find a huge supply of legacy, modern, and standard staples, sealed product, and tabletop games. It's places like Paragon City Games that allow local communities to gather in. And if you can't make it there in person, please be sure to watch their weekly stream at twitch.tv slash paragoncitygames. Remember to spread the love with a like on Facebook and a follow on Twitter for Paragon City Games. They also have great online reviews and that shows their commitment to excellent customer service for their player community. This episode of Kitchen Table Magic is brought to you by Card Kingdom. Cardkingdom.com is a great place to shop for Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, pre-constructed decks, and gaming accessories. They have a huge selection of singles, from the latest sets to an ever-flowing supply of modern and legacy staples. Card Kingdom also loves to buy Magic cards. They'll offer you cash or in-store credit for your Magic singles. And if you're new to Magic, you'll love playing any one of the 36 new pre-constructed battle decks built by Card Kingdom. Sign up for Card Kingdom's email newsletter to receive coupon codes and deck techs by Magic Pro Chris Van Meter. You'll get access to Card Kingdom's private reserve, which are special deals for chase rares at significantly discounted prices. Card Kingdom has so much to offer, so I hope you'll check them out. And if you'd like to support Kitchen Table Magic when shopping at Card Kingdom, please use our affiliate link. Just go to cardkingdom.com KTM. Okay, everyone, and we are back. Billy, I have some rapid-fire questions for you. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Pensively. Okay, okay. All right, Billy, rapid-fire question number one. Of the five colors of magic, white, blue, black, red, and green, what's your favorite color and why? Red. Ooh. <laughs> I, I like, uh, okay, lightning bolt, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> lightning bolt, ball lightning. These were all cards that just look so cool, and they did so much damage, and there was nothing you could say about it unless you're a blue player, but that's cheating. Counter spells are cheating, <laughs> but I love just that 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 red deck that was just fast and you just dump. Every, a lot of people hate burn, but I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody has their their well laid plans, and my plans are just burn your face. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think every old school magic player that's been playing for at least fifteen years and like knows what old school magic is like. Everyone's built that. Burn deck, oh, like, yeah. you know, that you carry around in the Ziploc bag, you yeah. know? <laughs> and it's not terribly expensive. It can be in some, sometimes you can put like, uh, was it uh, Chain Lightning? Yep. Was really expensive back in the day before it got the reprints. That was, that was nuts. But if you wanted to play that Legacy Burn, you wanted those Chain Lightnings. And uh, I just, but I mean, it's Lightning Bolt is like, it's everything for one red mana. Like, sure, you could draw three cards for one blue mana, but what do cards really do for you in the long run they don't do damage you know you have to actually cast them before that happens red's just like done three damage let's move on <laughs> let's get back into the game what's that uh the, the fireball to the face right channel fireball oh my god that, yeah. that combo is nuts <laughs> <laughs> and billy if you could pair red with another color what would you pair it with or combination of colors even. Yeah. Um, I had a red, black, blue deck with Underworld Dreams. Ah. And so it was, I had all the, the dual ends at the time. So I was able to cast Underworld Dreams. No problem. It was restricted at the time. So like, <laughs> it was like three black mana, only one copy in the deck. You had to tutor for it. So I had all the tutors in there. And uh, it, oh, I would reliably cast it like turn three or four and everybody would hate me. And then <laughs> I would I would have like everything else in there. The, the, the red with Wheel of Fortune and the blue with uh, the Brain Geyser. I would be bra Brain Geysering people letting them draw all the cards they wanted because it would deal one damage to them every time. <laughs> I could have just probably played Fireball, but I, I didn't care. I wanted to do it. <laughs> yeah, draw your deck. <laughs> the, uh, what was that? The card, um, Black Vise. Mm -hmm. That was that was in there too. It was just it was it was a, it was my my favorite deck at the time. I was a kitchen table Magic player, so everybody else was like, "Oh no, Billy, you can't play that deck." And I was like, ah, "It's gonna, gonna have to at least get it over with once, guys. <laughs> gotta play it once, and then it'll smash everybody." And then we'd move on and I'd play like, uh, I don't know, goblins or something. <laughs> 
and Billy. Rapid fire question number two. If you could change something about Magic the Gathering, what would it be? I would probably... There, there's the reserved list where you, you can't get the old cards reprinted. Yep. And I was playing when they were big. I'm, I could have bought a Black Lotus for 150 bucks. Wow. But I was like, you know, I was like... 15 at the time and i was i was like man i can't i can't uh i can't justify paying 150 dollars for this card it's just one card i'll just go buy a box of alliances or something and of course i got rid of the force of wills and i just got a bunch of uh what's the 10-4 there's like a 10-4 blue red black guy in, in, in alliances so I, I kept him but i got rid of all the force of wills <laughs> <laughs> this was back in the day when magic had all of these like tri-colored legendary creatures oh, yeah. that had really strange stats a lot of them were just vanilla they like didn't do anything or they had really weird abilities like tap to deal two damage to a flying creature but only do it during attacking blockers <laughs> and before other things phases were it was such a strange or like first strike they'd have first strike or something you can really see how the game changed when mark rosewater became a part of it like it he just he he's focused everything on cohesiveness and not just why is this here you know <laughs> he did a lot of work i was funny with with mark uh i was at vidcon and i was walking with boogie and we were we were going to eat dinner with another youtuber mcjugger nuggets and uh we were walking by and boogie's like wait a second that's mark rosewater <laughs> and we're, we're sitting there in anaheim i've seen him at tournaments up here all the time but boogie was like so excited to see him and we we went back and he was like mark mark how you doing i'm just a big fan of yours uh just it was cool we got a little picture picture with him and he was he was only at vidcon because his daughter wanted to go and he was being like the dad and he was like wow. i'll take my daughter to vidcon and me and boogie just happened to walk right past him randomly going to dinner <laughs> and it was it was just it was nuts but it was a really cool moment because like boogie you know he was he was a big fan of cardboard crack originally and uh he was we we have that connection through magic uh so to have that happen when we were there in at vidcon together was just like a really cool moment kind of like how we just met at pax that's you know? right it's just these things just happen it's just it's it's it's, it's really cool <laughs> that's awesome okay billy rapid fire question number three if you could give something to every magic player what would it be hmm signed bloodlust from anson maddox <laughs> card, <laughs> the card bloodlust I love that card. I love that art and that that it's 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 got my my ability. Like I would play that in my deck I had with Rabid Wombat and Berserk. You know, you get plus four, minus four. Like that's that's great. And <laughs> then you Berserk even, it. Yeah, and then what's <laughs> even better is that it says that if the toughness is reduced to less than one, it just becomes oh, one. Yeah, and who needs more than one when you're playing with ball lightnings and stuff like that? You right? know, it's it's great. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> I remember the first time I saw Bloodlust. I was like building some red deck and I just was like, this card is nuts. <laughs> yeah. And like the art is like old school, crazy, like eighties us anime oh. crazy. And it's just like, wow, this is such a crazy card. It's back when magic had some art that was like questionable. <laughs> like <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> did, did perverts design this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay. <laughs> Rapid fire question number four. What do you see in the future of magic? The gathering? I, I think the best part about magic is that you can't predict what's coming, you know, uh, like Dominaria coming back. Uh, that's, that's awesome. Like I, I want to see that. That's what I want to see more of, more of the old school coming back. And then, you know, just constant new, the, the, the design space has been explored so much over 25 years and I don't feel like we're even a tenth of the way into where it can go. So whatever whatever comes next, I'm I always check. Even if I'm not playing, I always check and see what the next the next big set is because it could be the one that pulls me back in and then I'm then I'm hardcore magic for another three or four years. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I would love that. Oh, you know what? When they announced Dominaria, I just was like, yes. And then they said that Richard Garfield was like on and contributed cool. to the set. I just was like, oh my god, mind blown because the magic multiverse and the magic story has gone into so many different directions we've been introduced to so many different planes and new storylines and like a lot of like the old school magic players were like please 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 
Dominaria, please. We, we want to see what happened to this plane that got destroyed by the Phyrexians, right? And this is the first time that we really get to see planeswalkers in, in Dominaria, right? That's right. Like, like the, they they had just got introduced after the 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 future site, and I'd like the the Phyrexia didn't really. It, it was new Phyrexia, right? Right. So it it yeah. was. It wasn't what we were familiar with. That's right. It was like everyone died. Karn got sent off. Karn spark ignited, and then Karn created a new metal plane. Yeah. And of course, because of the the Phyrexian black oil, like of course that was like spawned a whole new like an invasion from the inside out. Yeah. Right. Vers- versus outside in and. Like now it's like everyone goes back and, you know, if you if you follow a little bit of that Vorthos lore, none of the planeswalkers are as powerful as they used to be. Yeah. Because back <laughs> in the day, they were just straight up gods. They were like us. They, yeah. they, they, <laughs> we, we, we had control of the decks. They were just as powerful as us. We were the planeswalkers back then, you know? <laughs> they were making rap videos and podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's Mishra. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. He had a workshop. Yeah. He's <laughs> he had a factory. Putting in work. <laughs> And last, Billy, do you have any asks or requests of the listening audience? You know, uh, if you like how I sounded on this podcast, you might like how I sound on my music. So check me out. Uh, YouTube.com slash Overweight and uh, Billy the Fridge on iTunes, Spotify, Bandcamp, pretty much, you know, everywhere. Google it and don't get too uh, deep into the web, though, because I'm a <laughs> meme. So <laughs> things get crazy when you're the deeper down the, the rabbit hole you, you travel. <laughs> but no, just uh, check me out if, if you if you like what you heard here at all. I, I, I do a lot of uh, stuff online and um, music, especially. That's my that's my creative outlet right now that. You know, check it out. And if you like it, great. If you don't like it, it's fine too. Leave a comment either way. (laughs) I welcome it all. And Billy, I just wanted to thank you for being on the show. And I also really wanted to thank you for all of your creative energy. Because like as a musician, as a rapper, as a rap battler, as someone who puts (laughs) out diss tracks, as someone who memifies themselves, as someone who makes them relevant for pop culture. And you've been mentioned so many times by like mainstream media, MTV, like all over the place. And... Most importantly, you have made Magic the Gathering into a pop culture icon with Cardboard Crack. And I really appreciate that because that's a lot of courage. You've ta- you're taking this passion that you love and then you're putting it out there for the mainstream world to see. And you're combining it with your craft, your profession as a musician. Yeah. And I just really appreciate that because you're really giving a voice to the Magic community. Well, I, I never really looked at it that way, but that, uh, that's that's really cool for you to say. And uh, I, I I definitely, you know, I wanted to do the the game right in the song, but I also wanted to make it where if you didn't play the game, you could still enjoy the song. So I, I tried to play both sides, and I'm glad that it's been so well received by the Magic community and people who aren't in the Magic community. They love it, and they, they're like, it gets them interested in the game sometimes, you know? So I, I, that's that's really cool for you to say because it was a, a bonus uh, side effect of putting this song out was that it got to do that a little bit so i love it so much and listeners i'm gonna have all of the links to billy the fridge and all of his music and the new album ill coming out soon on itunes in the show notes at kitchentablemagic.org i have gotten so much out of this game over my life you know it's made me a more creative person it's made me a, 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 a smarter person I've been able to make moves in my day to day life that I might not have made if I had not been such a critical thinker when I was young playing this game trying to do the best I could and, and win and you might just be playing a game but you are really you're, you're, you're honing your skills in your mind and everything. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. And if, if you can make some friends along the way, then you're already winning no matter if you win or lose at this game. It's, it's, it's the best. And I'm glad to be here on the podcast with you guys. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Much thanks to Billy the Fridge for chatting with me about his life and music. His new album, Ill, is out now and you can download it at billythefridge.bandcamp.com. I was listening to it last night and it is so good. Billy is exploring new musical styles with his album, Ill, and they turned out great. Go say hi to Billy on Twitter at Billy the Fridge. For more information about Billy the Fridge, head on over to the show notes at kitchentablemagic.org. And now it's time to announce the winners of our Wormwood Gaming Giveaway. Three lucky winners were randomly selected from our Gleam giveaway on our Facebook page. Drum roll, please. 
The winner of the deck box is Kawi Alvarez from Brazil. The winner of the dice vault is Kyle Miller. And last, the winner of the leather playmat is Richard Stevens. Congratulations, I'll be getting you in touch directly with Wormwood to claim your prizes. Thanks everyone for listening to this week's show. I'd like to thank all of my Patreon supporters, Brian, Marcus, James L, Alex, Trevor, Caitlin, Mark, Aaron M, Neil, James G, Aaron C, Jonathan, Corey, Chad, James E, Logan, The Magic Man Sam, Jesse, Ben, Nick, Eternal Dirtles, Matthias, Charlie, Geraint, Scryfall, Matt, Ian, Priscovi, and Ryan. Listeners, if you'd like to get special gifts from my guests, become a supporter at patreon.com slash kitchen table magic. Your financial contribution goes to making the show better and helping to keep it running by paying for audio equipment, software, and server costs. And now that I've partnered with Card Kingdom, there's a new way to support the show. When you shop at Card Kingdom, just use my affiliate link, cardkingdom.com slash ktm. A big thank you again to all of my Patreon supporters. Your support of Kitchen Table Magic allows me to share stories about the amazing people in the Magic the Gathering community with the world. If you haven't heard already, I've created a new YouTube channel called Play MTG. It's an upbeat, fast-paced YouTube channel featuring deck techs from the pros, learn-to-play tutorials, level-up advice, card discussion, community news, and more. Just go to youtube.com slash C slash Play MTG. Special thanks to Dev for the shout-out on his YouTube channel that helped me get a bunch of new subscribers. I really appreciate your support, Dev. Follow the channel on Twitter at play underscore MTG. It's also on Facebook at facebook.com slash play MTG, all one word. I'm looking forward to creating new content and I've got some collaborations and new videos in the works. Be sure to subscribe to Kitchen Table Magic on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Hipsters of the Coast, and mtgcast.com. Follow the show on Twitter at KTM Podcast. The show is on Facebook.com slash Kitchen Table Magic Podcast. All of the show notes are at kitchentablemagic.org. If you're new to the show, there's plenty of past episodes to listen to, and please be sure to share KTM with a friend. Coming up on the next episode of Kitchen Table Magic. Pretty good. Uh, at the time, LSV wasn't really LSV. People knew about him, but you know, I was way more famous than he was at that time. <laughs> so it was nice being part of something at the very beginning, but it wasn't like you know I was overwhelmed by it. I think almost everyone that was on the PGC FB team is in the Hall of Fame. Yes, <laughs> like the, the team is you know, the team ended up being I think the best team Magic's ever had by a lot. Like right. we were really dominant in the beginning, but when we started the team, we weren't. Mm-hmm. Like we were just good players who were friends. So it was very interesting to grow as a team and then to see that everyone that was part of the original team just ended up being so good, in part because of that team. But yeah, when we started it, it wasn't like we were forming this super team. You know, the team only became a super team after we already formed it. I'm talking to Brazilian Hall of Famer, Paulo Vitor Damodarosa. Paulo was telling us about Team Channel Fireball and how almost everyone on that team is now a Hall of Famer. Paulo shares with us about his life as a professional Magic player, how he got started playing Magic, and his life in Brazil. Paulo also talks to us about improving at Magic, his competitive mindset, and his thoughts on his semifinals match with Yan Wing Chun at Pro Tour Hour of Devastation. Join me and the dreamy Paulo Vitor Domina Rosa, all on the next episode of Kitchen Table Magic. Please.